Today, we are wrapping up our series on wisdom. So one last time, please help me out. Somebody say wisdom. wisdom. Thank you. We have been largely in the book of Proverbs throughout this series. And what we've seen is that wisdom is not just knowledge. It's not just knowing stuff. It's not just knowing what ought to be done or even how to get it done or when or with whom to do it. All that's great, but, but wisdom is the ability to apply what you know into your life. There's application. You've got to do something with it. We've talked about how wisdom is a gift from God that he wants to give to us. He doesn't want to hold it back from us. And the reason he wants to give us wisdom, godly wisdom, is so that we can make the very most out of this life that he's given to us. Sound good? Is that what we talked about over the last bunch of weeks? That's what I remember. And today is a word of encouragement and exhortation along that very line about making the most of your life. What we're going to be talking about today is wisdom as it pertains to our time. Somebody say our time. Our time. Time, kind of a weird thing, isn't it? It's always kind of existed, at least in our history. It existed long before you were ever born. It just kind of rolls on. Every second is the same length, one after another. Every minute, every hour is the same. But they just kind of grind on. Sometimes it seems like time just runs in the background. Sometimes it seems like you don't have enough time, like not enough hours in a day to get everything done you want to get done, right? Parents, that would probably apply to you at the very least. Sometimes, though, at the very same, like the next day, for instance, it seems like all you have is time on your hands and you're bored and the time is just dragging on. And when is my shift going to be over? And it's just, I'm bored. Too much time on your hands. It's this weird thing. And the years, even though the days sometimes seem long, the years go by really fast. How many of you know they seem to go by faster every year? And they don't stop. You're hitting the brake pedal like this, and they just keep right on going. Doesn't care. It doesn't stop for us. It's weird that way. A few things just generic generally about time. Number one is this. Time is one of the few resources in your life that you cannot replenish. It says in James 4.14, what is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little while and then the key word vanishes. That's what our time does. It's here and once it's here, poof, it's gone. The moment that I began this sermon a couple minutes ago, it's gone. It ain't coming back. Even if I start over, it's not coming back. You can replenish theoretically all kinds of resources in your life. If you lose some money, might not be easy, but you can it's theoretically possible you can get more money back. If you lose your job, it's possible for you to get another job. If you lose a friend, it's theoretically possible for you to get another friend. If you lose your cell phone, you can go get a new cell phone. You get my drift, but time does not work that way. It comes and it goes, and that is it. Number two about time is this. God knows how much time each of us has, but we don't. We all wish we did, right? but we don't. You can want all you want to know how much time, but you're never going to know. With, even with all our digital age and advancements in technology, still nobody knows, but God knows. So what we need to do is trust in God 
with our time because he knows how much of it we've been given. Look at Psalm 139, 16. It says, in his book were written the days that were formed for me. Right, he knows the beginning. He knows every moment. He knows the end. He sees it all. So we need to trust in him to ask for that heart of wisdom about our time. Look what it says in Psalm 90, verse 12. Teach us to number our days. That means to take seriously the passage of time and make the most of every day and don't waste our time that we may get a heart of wisdom. We need to trust in God who knows how much time we have while we don't. Number three about our time is this. You need to know God has a life for you. Turn to your neighbor and say, God has a life for you. He loves you. Jesus said in John 10, 10, I come that they may have life and life abundantly, life to the full. God cares about your life here on earth. He cares about the things that you care about. He cares about your concerns. He cares about your burdens. He cares about the gifts that you have. He cares about it all. I just think that's so good of him. He doesn't have to care about your life. He doesn't have to be caring about every specific little detail, but he does. And he wants and he has a life for you. And that life is marked by walking in relationship with him all the days of your life. That everything that you do and everything that happens to you and everything that happens around you, it all happens in that context of you're with Jesus and you're doing life with Jesus and for Jesus. God has a life for you. Our time is directly connected to that. Number four is this. We get to choose how we spend our time. Right? Nobody's forcing you. You get to choose. I think that's just good of God that he does that. He gives us free will, right? We're not puppets on a string. He lets you choose. Now, there are things that God wants you to do with your life and things that he'd really strongly encourage you to do. May I even say he might command you to do, but he doesn't force you. You can choose. The choice is yours. Now, I'm not often a movie quote guy, but just this once, I'll dabble. Why not? Lord of the Rings fans, I want you to complete this quote for me, okay? Frodo Baggins says, I wish the ring had never come to me. Gandalf says, so do all who live to see such times. But that is not for them to decide. All we need to decide is what? I'll wait. What to, what to do with the time that we are given. That's what you need to decide. The choice is yours. So that's the journey we're on today. I don't want you to just know in your mind that your time is precious that your time is valuable. Our time, like we even read earlier, it comes and it goes super fast, it's quick. I don't want you just to know that, I want you to be wise and to do something with that information. You with me so far? All right. So then, if it's all about the Lord and he has a life for us, the question then is this, how does God want me to be using my time? He's given me this gift of however much time I have, what does he want me to be doing? Well, there's lots we could say about that. We could have a real long sermon talking about that, okay? Lots of stuff he wants us to do, but I want to just boil it down to one principle. Can you handle one principle today? Yes. The right answer is yes. Some of you said that. Thank you. You're on my good list. You're all on my good list. I love you all. One principle about our time. You see it on the screen, but you can turn in your Bible as well to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis 2.15. For context of Genesis 2.15, God has just done this small, little, insignificant thing called creating, breathing into existence all that's been created. Just this minor little thing, right? So everything's perfect. Sin has not entered the world yet. This is God's ideal. And he says... In Genesis 2.15, 
It says, the Lord God took the man, that would be Adam, and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. You say, what does that have to do with my time? Oh, that has a lot to do with your time. Just break that down. The Lord put Adam in the garden. He put him there on purpose. He planted him there specifically on purpose, intentionally, for a reason. And when he put him there, he said, I want you to work and keep this garden. To work, it means be productive in it. Accomplish things in it. Till the soil. Cultivate the ground, right? And to keep it means you be faithful in looking after everything that's in this garden. Make sense? We're going to bring this down to our level. Watch this. That sounds insulting. I don't mean it that way. Bring it into our world. Let's say that. Yes, that's from Genesis 2.15. And yes, the direct context is God had planted Adam literally in a garden. Some of you are not literally planted in a garden. Some of you are. You can see your green thumbs from here, right? But that's a metaphor and an image and an illustration as well. That illustration of a garden, or we're going to see a scripture in a few minutes about a field or a vineyard, that represents your life. So I brought my prop with me, as you can see. Let's say this is your field, your garden, your vineyard. It represents your life. And within the four corners of this vineyard are all the things in your life. Just all the things. For instance, your faith. That's a part of your life, right? Maybe your family. What about your money? That's a part of your life. Or your job. Or maybe your hobbies. I don't know if you can read my writing or not, but there it is. Or your relationships that you have with people. Maybe your goals or your dreams. Maybe, I don't know, your health. Those are all part of your life, are they not? God has planted you in the field he has planted you in on purpose, for a reason, the, whatever lot you have in life right now, whatever stuff is within the four corners of your life, even if it's a hard burden, listen to me, God is sovereign, he's on his throne, you are not here by accident. Your life is not a mistake. God is over you, he is sovereign, he sees you, he has a life for you, and he wants you to work and keep the field that you're planted in. That is how he wants you to be spending your time. Make sense? He wants you to work it. He wants you to be productive in these things. He doesn't want you to just sit on this stuff. He wants you to make something of it, cultivate this, till this soil. He also wants you to keep it. He wants you to be faithful in all of these areas. Let's change gears then. I'm just gonna leave this here. This is your life. I'll write it up here real small. This is your life. That's how God wants you to be using your time. I want to give you a word about using your time unwisely, a.k.a. this is what you should not do, okay? Turn in your Bible to Proverbs chapter 24. Proverbs 24, verse 30. You might read this, you might not even think of it, but we're going to dig into this. Proverbs 24, 30 and 31 says, I passed by the field of a sluggard. See, field again, there it is. By the vineyard of a man lacking sense. And behold, it was all overgrown with thorns. 
The ground was covered with nettles and its stone wall was broken down. It says, by the way, that that person lacked sense. They had a field and it was all in shambles. It was all in disarray. It was all, I've just ruined this marker. Sorry, somebody. It was all in disrepair. Not the way the field was supposed to look. Uncultivated, unkept, untidy, just a mess. This person lacked sense who allowed their field to get this way. And I would ask you, how did that happen? How did that field that maybe once was a glorious, good, productive field, how did it get to look like this? Well, I'll tell you, because the person that owned it did not use their time to work it and keep it. I don't know, I don't know what they were doing, but they did not work and keep their garden. So here's a few things we can do to use our time unwisely, to not work and keep our garden. The first thing you can do to use your time unwisely is be passive. Somebody say passive. Passive Passive means you just kind of sit there and life comes to you. You don't really lift a finger to try to change course or change circumstances. You just let life happen to you. You just sit there and, and on it comes. That's what being passive is. You can be passive in your field, right? I'm not gonna mow the grass. I'm not gonna trim the hedges. I'm not gonna weed the garden. And it just grows up. That's what it does. Anybody that has a garden at their house, you know, if you do nothing to it, if you're passive with it, that's what happens. And that is not how God wants you to spend your time in your life. Just sitting around, being unproductive, being lazy. I don't wanna work. I don't wanna put forth any effort. I don't want to disciple anyone. I don't want to share the gospel with anyone. I don't really want to put in the time to raise my kids in a godly way. I don't really want to to work on the things that God has gifted me with. I'm just going to sit here, just going to let life come to me. That's foolish. That is a waste of your time that God has given to you. This here, this life here on earth, you get one shot. And being passive is to just totally waste it. You know maybe that there's areas of your life where you should take responsibility, right? Oh, I know, I know that I should work harder at my job. I know that I should save my money better. I know that I should pour into my faith more. I know that I should look after and spend time with my family. I know that I should look after my health, but I'll just sit here like this. I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it next week. That usually means I'll do it never o'clock, by the way. That's foolish. And our garden, our life ends up looking like this. And this is not how God wants it to look, friends. He has better for us than this. And I would ask you rhetorically, don't answer, if you're not spending your time working and keeping this, what in the blazes are you doing? Sitting on your phone, scroll, scroll, scrolly scroll, one more YouTube video, right? One more game. I'll sleep the day away. I'll watch TV. There's nothing wrong with any of those things in the right amount, in the right context. But if that's all that your life looks like, you just let it come to you. Man, God has way better for you than that. Way better. Being passive. Number two way that you can use your time unwisely, it's if your life is out of balance. It's unbalanced. That means Maybe you've got some of the right things in your life, but you are not balancing them each in proportion. You're hyper-focusing on some to the neglect of others. Right? We can do that easily. Maybe it's your money. 
Some people obsess over money, spend their time just gotta make more money, make more money, look for more money. There's, answer me this, in and of itself, is there anything wrong with your money? No. But the love of money, right? The obsession over money, the heart that is consumed with money. It says in Proverbs 23, 4, do not toil to acquire wealth. Now that doesn't mean don't work hard at your job and get a paycheck. No, that doesn't mean that. That means don't spend your life away, pun, boom, don't spend your life away obsessing over money. Listen, you can't take it with you. There's way more to life than money. It doesn't even satisfy you anyway. And if you get to the end of your life and all you have is this, to the neglect of everything else, you're not gonna be glad at how you lived your life, I'm just telling you. Some people do that with their job in the same vein. Man, I just gotta work, 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 work all the time. They need me at work. I'm so essential at work. Maybe you play a really important role at work, but listen to me, I don't mean this insultingly. They can probably do okay without you too. Like we have this, we have this lie that, whoa, the world will stop if I take a day off. It probably won't. It probably won't. It says in Psalm 127.2, in vain do you rise up early and go late to your rest, eating the bread of your anxious toil. When that's all your life is, you're doing that in vain. There's more to life than work. Take a day off. Chill out. You're stressing the rest of us out, right? Maybe you do this with pleasure in your life. Maybe your obsession, maybe your focus is, is just pleasure in the next high and the next activity and the next vacation and all those things. That's great, that's fine. When's the next party? There's nothing wrong with any of those things in and of themselves. But when you obsess over that and, and that's all you go after, it says in Ecclesiastes 8.15, if we have the mentality of let's just eat, drink, and be merry, that's vanity. You're doing that in vain. There is more to life than that, friends. Is there anything wrong with having fun? No. Well, unless you're doing something dumb and sinful, don't do that. But having fun? Hello. No, there's nothing wrong with that. But the point is this. If you want to use your time wisely, you've got to do all of these things in balance. Right? The one that should get the most weight here is your faith. And the cool thing about your faith is that it's going to inform the rest of it. Jesus isn't going to tell you, you spend all your days just pouring into this, and oh, by the way, your family's going to be neglected and suffer, and they're not, going to, they're not even going to know what you look like because you'll just be in your prayer closet for 25 hours a day. No, when you have faith in Jesus, he's going to lead you to responsibly administer to all of these other things, which is cool. But you've got to be in balance. Some of your guys' lives are not in balance, and God has better for you than that. Third thing is this, way you can use your time unwisely. You can allow the wrong things into it, right? So go back to the garden analogy here. I'm not a gardener. I've confessed that to you before. Somebody else planted nice flowers at my house that just come up and go down and come up every year. I don't have to do anything to them, but don't ask me to plant anything. But this here, this vineyard, this garden, this field that's all in shambles, Perhaps it's that way because there's bad seed in it. Maybe the weeds have come in and choked out all the good grass or, or good plants or good crop. Maybe the soil is bad. I don't know. Maybe there are things in it, though, that are negatively contributing to the good crop, to the neatly tended field. You know what I'm talking about in our lives? I'm talking about our sin. Maybe you've brought things into your life, sin into your life, and it's choking the life out of everything else, particularly the sins that are ongoing, chronic, deliberate, on purpose. 
We all stumble in many ways. We all have our moments. We all have our stuff. God has grace for us through and through. But I'm talking especially about the ongoing. That area of your life that is out of line with God's will and God's heart and God's character. And you probably know that it is, but you're staying in it and you're keeping it as a part of your life. And this is what's going to happen to you if you do that. It says in Proverbs 12, 11, he who follows worthless pursuits, that would involve sin for sure. You just keep going after sin. You're in that rut of sin that you shouldn't be in and it's just dragging you along. The person that does that, it says they lack sense. It may be because you may have sin in your life and a mess in your life. If you go back to that Proverbs 24 language, one of the things it said is that this field had the wall broken down. Do you remember that? Its wall was broken down. Maybe your wall is broken down in your life. Maybe your defenses against sin are not functional right now. Maybe you're not spending time abiding in Christ, just sitting at his feet drawing your strength and your identity from him. Maybe you're not spending time in the word. You're not spending time in prayer. You're not spending time with God's people. Maybe you have no accountability in your life. The walls are down. The shield is down. And that's gonna lead you to be super vulnerable to the enemy who can just waltz right in because you don't have any defenses against him. Some of you guys, man, you need to pour in you need accountability. You need a brother or sister in the faith to help you. Come, look, we're not here to judge each other and beat each other over the head with, your, with our stuff. We need, we need to walk with each other as we walk with Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen? I'll say this just as a bonus. If that's you this morning, if you're struggling with sin, a particular ongoing, deliberate, it's been in your life, it's chronic, it sometimes takes over, I would just speak Proverbs 28, 13 over you. It says, he who conceals his transgressions, your sin, your wrongdoing, you hide it, you, you downplay it, you deny it. It says that person will not prosper. It's not gonna go well for you. So quit horsing around with it. Quit, quit just playing fast and loose. Oh, it's no big deal. No, oh, it's a big deal. It's not gonna work. But it says he who confesses them and forsakes them will obtain mercy. Thus saith the Lord. He's putting the invite out to you on that. At any rate, when you use your time unwisely and your field starts to look more and more like this, your time, this precious gift that God has given you that cannot be replenished, you are wasting it. Wasting it. You are not being a good steward of everything God has given you if this is you. You are spending your time on futile, worthless, non-lasting things. And if that's you, I'm just telling you, you're going to live a fruitless life as well. And this field, this life you've been given is not going to be all that it could be. Remember I said the whole point of wisdom is so that life can be all that God intends for it to be. We gotta quit wasting our time, friends. If you're hearing this and you go, oh man, that's me, it's time to repent. It's time to wake up. Right? It's not a word of condemnation, it's a word of invitation. You can confess that to the Lord. Wow, Lord, I've been using my time poorly. I have not been doing what you've been wanting me to do. I've been wasting time, I've been being foolish, I'm out of balance, I have sin, I have whatever. Confess it to him. Be honest with him. Be open with him. Remember, we read it already. You do that and you will obtain mercy. God will forgive you. He can fill you with his spirit. He can 
change your direction. He can change your life. It doesn't have to be this way. The enemy would tell you, no, I'm just in a rut and that's what my life is now. It doesn't have to be that way. Repent that times of refreshing may come upon you. Commit your way to the Lord, Psalm 37.5 says. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will act. He will change you. He will change things. And even if you've wasted all your time up till this point, guess what? You're still here. You still have at least some time ahead of you. God can help you make something of that. Is this landing anywhere so far? Let's flip the script then. We've talked about using our time unwisely. I want to give you a word this morning about using our time wisely. It is possible. It can be done. The principle we've already talked about, using your time wisely, means working and keeping the garden that God has planted you in, right? But I want to put a little bit more meat on those bones there. I've got three things for you if you want to use your time wisely. Number one is this. Make sure you are worshiping the right God. Some of you hear that word worship and you say, well, that's just super churchy. That's what we do on Sunday morning. Yeah, it involves that. But worship, oh, worship is so much bigger than that. You know it is. See, to worship is to put something first in your life. Whatever comes first, whatever your life revolves around, whatever your time, your schedule, your wallet, your thoughts revolve around, whatever is at the center of your heart, that is what you worship. That's why Jesus said where your heart is, that's where your treasure is, right? So worship is not just a church building activity, though it involves that and it's awesome. We all worship. Even if you're here today and you're not even a Christian, you worship. The question is not, do I worship? The question is, who or what do I worship? And I know we'd all like to say, oh, it's God. Maybe. Sometimes, though, I don't know. Sometimes we have this nasty habit of putting things before him. Even some things that are really good. Money becomes our God. Work becomes our God. That relationship, probably one you shouldn't be in, becomes a God. Sometimes even your kids can become a God. They just are totally at the center. They dictate everything in your life. And guess what? Again, nothing wrong with any of those things in and of themselves, but they make lousy gods, okay? They don't work. Not gonna work. Not gonna cut it. I would remind you again, Proverbs 9, 10. We've been on this verse a whole bunch in this series. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord. That's not, I'm afraid of God. I'm cowering before him. It's respect. It's reverence, it's honor before God. That's worship language right there. When you are a worshiper of God, when your heart is inclined to the Lord, when you fear and honor and respect the Lord first, that is the beginning of wisdom. That is the beginning of you using your time well. I will just tell you this morning, your time on this earth is not well spent unless Jesus is at the center of your life. I don't care how well you think you're doing, how much good you think you're doing. If Jesus is not sitting on the throne of your heart, you are not making all of your time that you could be. I'm just telling you. Because that's what worship is. Jesus first. It's Jesus above all things. It's abiding with him, spending time with him, right? Walking with him, being in his word, being in prayer, being with his people, sharing the message of the gospel, all of these things, right? We can't go long on those. But the point is this, when Jesus is at the center, 
That is where we flourish. That is where our time is going to be well spent. Because like I said already, he's going to guide you and lead you in all the other areas of your life. He's going to fill you with his spirit. He's going to make something of your life. Jesus has to come first. You've got to make sure you're worshiping the right God. The second thing you can do to use your time wisely is this. Invest in and enjoy other people. Right? So Jesus comes first. We've got to invest in our relationship with him. We've got to enjoy him. We've got to pursue him for sure. But let it not be lost on us how important other people are as well. You might remember this just little thing. It wasn't really that important what Jesus said. He said, the two most important commandments are love God and love other people. The most important, he said. So we can't get off the train on this. Like, yes, this. But we need this as well. Need it. Important. Yes, sometimes people disappoint us. No, people are not perfect. Yes, they can drain us. Yes, if we're being really honest, sometimes people annoy us. See ya. Must have been something I said. I annoyed him. Just a living, just a living sermon illustration. He's not listening. I've annoyed him. Anyway, we'll work that one out in the parking lot later. No, I'm kidding. But people are a gift. People are, look, you, you can't take your money with you into eternity. Your job is not gonna last into eternity. All this stuff in this life, it's gonna pass away, right? But people, people go on into eternity. And obviously we want people to go into eternity knowing Jesus and being with Jesus. But people are a gift, man. Don't overlook how important that is. I want us to be a people who enjoy and invest in other people. So if you're married today, for example, Invest in your spouse and enjoy your spouse. It says in Proverbs 5.18, rejoice in the wife of your youth. So love your spouse, support your spouse, pray for your spouse, encourage your spouse, enjoy them, make memories with them. Go on a date, people, okay? That is a good use of your time because they're an important gift in your life. If you have kids, same deal. You go to invest in your kids, don't be passive with your kids. Don't just say, oh, they'll figure it out. No, the world will instruct them. The world will happily train up your kids and they'll train them up straight in the wrong direction. So you can't be passive with your kids, not at all. Proverbs 22, 6 says, you gotta train your child up in the way they should go. Yeah, there's never any guarantees that they're gonna turn out to, to know and love and serve Jesus but you gotta do the best you can with God's help. Don't sit there and let your kids raise themselves. That's dumb. Pour into them. You do that, it says, Proverbs 13, 24, if you love your son or your daughter, you'll be diligent enough to discipline them. Right, when they do something wrong, don't, oh well, boys will be boys. They're just kids. Ah, discipline them. The Bible says, what father is there that, that loves their son that does not discipline him? If you don't discipline your kids, oh, that's gonna, that's gonna be hard for somebody. I'll say it anyway. If you don't discipline your kids, God calls you out on that and says, how much are you really loving on your kids? Wasn't planning on going there. Anyway, we went. There are, there's correction that needs to be administered, though. There needs to be consequences. They need to be shown these things, right? You can't be passive with your kids. And I'll say this, too. 
Yes, your kids will sometimes frustrate you. They won't always do the right thing. But they can be such a blessing for you. Proverbs 29, 17 says your kids can be rest to your soul and delight to your heart. They can bring a richness into your life. What a gift from God. Matter of fact, sidebar, let's show some love for the kids who are in the room today, please. We welcome you. We honor you. Same with grandkids, too. It says in Proverbs 17, 6, grandchildren are the crown of the aged. Man, if you have grandkids, what a blessing. Enjoy them. Pour into them. Model Christ to them. Take them for ice cream. Just saying. It's, it's what a blessing. Use your time on them. I want you to enjoy your friends people that you have healthy relationships with. I want you to enjoy the people that you work with and the people that you live nearby and the people who are in your family and the people who are in your church family. You guys are a blessing to each other. Enjoy this. Invest in one another. Serve other people. Proverbs 19, 17 talks about being generous to the poor, having that heart. That's not just about that person doesn't have any money and I'll give them money. That's about when there's needs that crop up around you. Step into those and do something about them. That's a good use of your time. Give of yourself for others. And don't forget the spiritual level of all of this as well. Invest in people spiritually. What an opportunity we've been given. Jesus has come along and he's given us this mission to go into the world, <coughs> excuse me, and to make disciples and to pour into people and to testify about who he is. It's life-changing. It's eternity-altering. And he's invited us to step into it, but too often, oh yeah, okay, I'm good. Passive, foolish, no. What an exciting thing. Like you, like you as a Christian can get to have an eternal impact on someone else's life. Where would you be without the people that came and poured into you spiritually? Let's keep the chain going, right? Now, this doesn't mean with people that you got to beat your head against the wall, right? For instance, spiritually, you're sharing the gospel, but that person just is not ready to receive that yet. The Lord hasn't opened their eyes yet. That doesn't mean you got to ram the peg, the square peg through the round hole, right? But it means pray for opportunities. Lord, open my eyes to what you're doing around me. Open my eyes to love the people in my life the way that you love them. And then step in as he gives you prompting. It's not difficult. If you're a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit. He wants to, to lead you and guide you into this. Like I say, it's super easy to be passive. I'm busy. I don't want to. I'm just doing my thing, keeping my head down, my nose clean. God has called you to better than that. You, you can make a difference in someone else's life. Do you want to do that in your life? Two of you do. Okay, great. Awesome. Kudos, guys. Yes, of course we want that. And God is giving us the ability and the opportunity to do that. So step out, love on people, share with people, invest in people. Does that make sense? Yeah. Third thing is this. Somebody will like this one. If you're going to use your time wisely, work hard and play hard. Seriously. We already talked about the work one a bit. Genesis 2.15, got to work and keep the garden. 
use your skills, be productive, cultivate the ground, accomplish things. Yes, yes, and amen to all of those things. Whether it's at your job, or it's in your home, or it's in your yard, I don't know, or it's in the church, or it's in the mission field, you're discipling people, you're using your gifts, you're serving others. Work hard. It matters. Some of you guys are working hard and you're in the, maybe on the sideline a little bit and the enemy will sow seed in your mind and he'll say, what you're do- why are you even doing this? You're wasting your time. You are not. You are not. If you have taken hold of the rope of the kingdom of God and you're pulling on it, it is not a waste of time. No matter how little or insignificant that work seems. Bless you, brother or sister, for doing that. And keep on in it. As the Lord leads you to do it, do it. Stay in it. It matters. It's important. Because that's at the end of our life, that's when you're going to hear, if you do that and you're faithful, you're going to stand before God and he's going to say to you, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful in the little things. You were faithful with few things. I'm going to give you many things. I want that in my life. You want that in here? You want that in your life? All right. It says in Proverbs 13, 4, that the soul of the diligent, right? You're, you're working hard. You're picking up the slack. You're going for it. The soul of the diligent is richly supplied. I love that. You're working hard, and God can give you a peace in your life, knowing that your labor is not in vain. Yes, you're spending of yourself. You might be tired when your head hits the pillow, but you'll know a peace inside because you're making a difference with God's help, by God's power, of course. But not only do we work hard, we got to play hard, too. I knew someone would like that part. I love this. Ecclesiastes 3.13 says that the ability to take pleasure in things is God's gift to man. God didn't have to do that, in other words. God could have it so that we're just all work and no fun and there's no joy in life and there's, there's no uh, fulfillment really in anything. You're just kind of a mindless worker bee. But that's not how God set it up. In the right context, he wants you to have fun. This life can be fun sometimes. Now, again, that's in the context of your working hard. It's not, I'm going to play all week and I'll sprinkle a little work in. No, you work hard. (laughs) Somebody liked that. Okay. It's you work hard. You roll up your sleeves, but you can also play hard. You can go for it. Sometimes I think we're a little sheepish or maybe even apologetic of, well, I don't know. That's my day off. Uh, Take your blessed day off. Seriously. Don't apologize for it. (coughs) And there's the whole concept, too, of you wonder, well, how much time should I take off? Can't go long on that, but I'll just point out the principle in the Scriptures. God worked first day, second day, third, fourth, fifth, sixth day, and on the seventh, he rested, right? You remember reading that? And then God, God ordains this thing called the Sabbath for his people, where they take this day, and they just rest. They don't do their normal work. They just rest and recharge. Now, we don't have to be legalistic about that. At the very least, though, that means there needs to be time somewhere in your life, somewhere in your calendar, where you're not working, where you're unplugging. And dare I say it, you're doing something that you actually like doing. Not like, oh, I like doing the dishes. No, like, no. Like, I have full intentions this week of playing some golf, people, Okay. I don't know what you like to do. Work in your garden. Go for a stroll. Go for a wi- uh, a wike, a walk and a hike. Thank you. Do something fun. Go to the movies. Go out and eat. I don't care. Do something that brings you joy, though. 
Like I say, some of you don't need to be more unapologetic in your free time. I can't do that. That's my day off. I'm busy that day. Oh, you're mad at me? I'm sorry for you for that. But that's precious time. Work hard and play hard. That is a good use of your time, is what I'm saying. And when we set our hearts toward using our time well in a God-honoring good way, friends, we'll be able at the end of our lives to look back and not say, oh man, I blew it. I wasted. I was passive. I fooled around way too long in sin. I just wasted and squandered the opportunities and the time God gave me. You don't have to do that, friend. It is possible in Jesus Christ for you to look back at the end of your life and you won't say, wow, my life was perfect. Nothing bad ever happened to me. Eh, Not how life works. Bubble burst. But you'll be able to look back on your life and say, man, I'm so thankful, God, because I got to spend myself. You're not supposed to get to the end of your race with a whole bunch of gas left in the tank. He wants it left out on the field. And I've spent myself on godly things, on joy-bringing things, on upbuilding things, on life-changing things, kingdom-advancing, family-blessing, legacy-forging, exciting, God-honoring good things. You, it is possible for you to look back on your life and see that in the rearview mirror. Do you want that in your life? Well, the choice is ours. We already said, God's not going to force you to use your time one way or another. The choice is yours how to use it. Some things will happen in your life that are out of your control, for sure. But it's always in your control to choose how to use your time. And if you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, I will say this to you. Not only are you not making the most of your time because it's not centered on Jesus... You're also playing a dangerous game because this life, your time here on earth, will run out someday. I don't know when. Neither do you. It will run out, and when it does, you will stand before God, as we all will. But if you don't know Jesus, if you've never had your sins forgiven in Jesus, you will stand before God and you will be judged for your sins. Because we've all sinned. Raise your hand in this house if you sinned today. Yep, we've all sinned. And the wages of sin is death. So if you stand before God apart from the forgiveness of your sins in Jesus Christ, you will be left to pick up your tab for your sin. That's condemnation. That's punishment. Hell is a real place. It's hot. It's long. But God does not want that for you. As long as today is called today, he invites you to surrender your life to him, to give your heart to him, to to surrender to him, confess and repent of your sin and claim Jesus as your Lord and Savior. He will change your life. He will forgive your past. He will redeem your future. He will give you eternal life. But you gotta surrender yourself to him. So if you wanna know more about that later on, couple of the leaders will be up here at the front. We'd love to pray with you, talk with you more about that. By all means, come on up. Most of us in the room are Christians. And I don't want for you to hear this word and go, oh, this is a heavy burden. How am I possibly going to do all this? And what if I miss an opportunity? God loves you. He has grace for you. Take a breath. He will guide you. He will lead you. It's okay. 
and you're not going to get it right all the time. But his mercies are new every morning. He will forgive you. He will empower you. My point is this. This is actually a word of freedom for you as a Christian. It's for freedom we've been set free in Christ because he wants us to live this, this life that he's leading us into. And your days are in his hand. Your life is in his hand. You don't know how much time you have left, but he does. And you need to trust in he who does. You need to decide, Christian, whatever lies in the past, you need to decide on this day that you're going to make something of the rest of the time you have left while you wait for the next life to set in. It's coming. It's going to be good. And it's eternal. It's going to last forever. But this life here does not last forever. And God wants us to be a people who make something of it. Let's make it count. Let's use our time well. Amen?